0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The 20th Communist Party Congress opened in Beijing with Xi Jinping pledging to, quote, reunify China by bringing Taiwan under the mainland's control. He said China would, quote, take all necessary measures to quell separatist movements by force if necessary. Mr. Xi also defended his increasingly painful zero-Covid policy, calling measures to contain the virus and, quote, all-out people's war. Despite a convention that Communist Party leaders serve a maximum of two five-year terms, the Congress is expected to bestow Mr. Xi a third. Britain's new Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, said that the government's growth push had gone, quote, too far, too fast. In a further attempt to calm jittery bond markets, Kwasi Korteng's replacement said that he would raise taxes and cut public spending. Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, said that interest rates would have to rise further than expected in light of high inflation. Ukraine's Prime Minister, Denis Shmihal, said the country has, maintained energy stability amid fears of blackouts sparked by Russian strikes. Mr. Shmihal said that in the first three days of last week, Russia had launched 130 missiles and drones targeting key infrastructures to quote, intimidate civilians and paralyze the energy industry. Ukrainians had cut their electricity consumption by one-tenth to avoid outages, he added. A fire at Avin prison, a facility used to lock up many of Iran's dissidents, killed at least four people and injured 61, according to state media. The fire followed a clash between security forces and inmates, including some arrested during ongoing nationwide protests, which erupted after the death of a 22-year-old woman detained by the morality police for showing too much hair. Tunisia struck a preliminary agreement with the IMF committing to reforms in exchange for a $1.9 billion loan. The indebted North African economy lacks food and fuel and has been wracked by protests. But the government has dragged its feet on cuts to subsidies and public sector wages. If the IMF's board ratifies the deal, it could pave the way for other donors. Tens of thousands of protesters marched through Paris to protest the rising cost of living. Organisers said 140,000 people attended the demonstration. Led by the hard-left opposition politician Jean-Luc Mélenchon, it adds to the pressure on President Emmanuel Macron after three weeks of strikes at oil refineries caused widespread fuel shortages. But industrial action looks set to continue. Transport workers and civil servants plan to strike on Tuesday. Uganda imposed a three-week lockdown in two districts of its central region to contain breakouts of Ebola. Movement in and out of Mubende and Kassandra will be restricted, and dusk-till-dawn curfews have been imposed. Since Uganda's first recorded death almost a month ago, the hemorrhagic fever, for which there is no cure, has infected 58 people and killed 19. And fact of the day, 31 – the number of days served by Britain's shortest-serving Chancellor, Ian MacLeod. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. NATO's not-so-routine nuclear drills On Monday, NATO is expected to carry out its annual nuclear drills, Steadfast Noon. The exercises in Belgium postponed from earlier this year after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, include 14 of the alliance's 30 members. There will be no live warheads, but the manoeuvres include jets that can carry nuclear bombs. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg has called the operation quote, routine training designed to keep the deterrent safe, secure and effective but the war in Ukraine means that the drills will be far from business as usual. Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, has made transparent threats to use nuclear weapons amid his faltering invasion. The head of GCHQ, Britain's spy agency, said last week that there was no sign of an imminent attack, but fears of escalation are real. NATO expects that Russia will soon hold its own nuclear exercise, dubbed GROM. The alliance is betting that conducting its nuclear drills helps keep its deterrent potent. Mr. Stoltenberg says that avoiding escalation requires, quote, firm, predictable behaviour. Observers will hope he is right. Chinese cars plug into European markets. Sceptical of splurging marketing budgets on fancy stands in vast exhibition centres, Few of the world's car makers will congregate in Paris for the first motor show in the city since 2018, which opens on Monday. Flying the tricolore will be France's Renault and Peugeot, the latter of which joins other brands owned by Stellantis. More notable will be the appearance of BYD and Great Wall Motors, two Chinese brands that will use the event to flaunt electric cars they hope will break into the European market. China, home to the world's biggest car industry, also churns out more electric vehicles than any other country. Several of its makers have Europe in their sights. NIO, a Tesla wannabe, recently showed off three electric models in Berlin that will soon be more widely available on the continent. Already, nearly 1 in 20 EVs sold in Europe is Chinese. Europe's car makers, already struggling with the fallout from the pandemic and the transition to electrification, Face one more problem. India's oldest party seeks a revamp. On Monday, members of the Congress, India's main opposition party, will vote for a new president. For the first time in nearly 25 years, the new boss will be someone outside of the Gandhi clan, which has long run the party as a family business. The choices between Shashi Tharoor, a smooth-talking diplomat turned politician, and Malikarjan Khaji, an 80-year-old party veteran, and Gandhi family stooge. Mr. Tharoor believes that fresh, non-dynasty leadership can revitalize India's grand old party. With a general election less than two years away, the Congress desperately needs it. In the past two elections, the party has been swept aside by the ruling Hindu nationalist Bharatiya Janata Party. In 2019, the BJP took nearly double the Congress's share of the vote. But Mr Thoreau's hopes may be in vain. The build-up to the Congress's leadership election has featured the same ineptitude and infighting that have dogged the party for years. More importantly, the Gandhi family is unlikely to cede control. Mr Kargi is expected to win comfortably. Jeremy Hunt Takes the Wheel A fortnight ago, Jeremy Hunt's career in high office appeared to be at an end. An affable and fastidious former foreign secretary, he had twice run to be leader of the Conservative Party without success. Now he is the most powerful man in Britain. On October the 14th, Liz Truss, the Prime Minister, fired Kwasi Kwarteng, a close ally, as Chancellor and appointed Mr Hunt in his place. He was tasked with clawing back the trust of bond markets after Mr. Korteng's tax-cutting budget had triggered a market meltdown. But a partial reversal of some measures on Friday wasn't enough to satisfy traders. So over the weekend, Mr. Hunt made clear that more U-turns, new tax rises and cuts to government spending would be necessary. With Mr. Hunt in the driving seat, Ms. Truss is now Prime Minister in name only. Conservative MPs are clamouring to force her from office. Westminster this week will be a viper's nest. The six Booker hopefuls. The Booker Prize briefly turns literature into hot news. The most coveted honour in English-language fiction to be awarded on Monday night makes six titles glow with the heat of incendiary headlines. In Glory, No Violet Bulawayo's Talking Animals Stage a political parade of her unhappy homeland, Zimbabwe. Percival Everett's The Trees blends mystery, horror, and elegy as it unearths racist atrocities in the American South. Shehan Karuna Tilaka's The Seven Moons of Mali Armida, an incandescent tragicomic story narrated by a ghost, torches corruption and injustice in Sri Lanka. Quietly and succinctly, at 116 pages, Hers is the shortest book ever shortlisted claire keegan burns through rural ireland's abusive secrets in small things like these alan garner a veteran fabulist unites northern english folklore with quantum physics in treacle water and o william is the third installment in a lauded family saga by elizabeth strout an american author her book is popular with bookworms and bookies alike for sheer prose Chuspa. Mr Karuna Tilaka should take the gong, but glory might live up to its name. Daily Quiz. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country By 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which credit card used the slogan, don't leave home without it? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Arthur Miller, who was born on this day in 1915. An era can be said to end when its basic illusions are exhausted. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app.